Building Better Businesses with Catalyst Consulting is brought to you in partnership with Speak Studios and Speak Spokane, presented by Delicious Hamburgers. Speak Spokane is a community-driven studio space where voices from all walks of life can speak and be heard. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Speak Studios, Speak Spokane, and at their website, speakpodcasting.com. Speak Studios, speak and be heard. Building Better Businesses with Catalyst Consulting is brought to you in partnership with Spin City. Spin City is an indoor cycling studio that strives on making sure everyone feels welcome and comfortable. At Spin City, exercise is more than physical, it's a mental workout. When you come to Spin City, you become family. Spin City is family owned and believes supporting our community is the most important way to help grow our city. Email them now at info at spincityspokane.com or call anytime at 509-919-4824. We're all spending a little bit more time at home, so let the Furniture Outpost serve your needs. Locally owned and located in the heart of Spokane's Monroe Business District, the Furniture Outpost is there for your furniture needs. Sofas and love seats, sectionals, dining room, bedroom sets, mattresses, and so much more. No matter what you are looking for, they have it. Financing is a breeze with the Furniture Outpost. Come see them at 2801 North Monroe Street. Welcome to my second guest of the Building Better Businesses with Catalyst Consulting. My guest today is Mark Pond. He is the business research librarian at the Spokane Public Library, which, I mean, there should be like wizard or something like that after the title too, because some of the things he's done are pretty amazing. So I wanted to give you a little introduction. Since 2006, Mark Pond has been the business research librarian with the Spokane Public Library. From 1998 to 2006, Mark worked in a similar capacity for the Seattle Public Library, as well as the University of Washington Libraries. In the course of his work here at the Spokane Public Library, Mark has built a world-class collection of freely available business research tools, ranging from competitive analysis to sales lead development, to retail site selection, to demographics research, to on-demand workforce education. The Spokane Public Library has amassed a set of business research, business research toolbox that is unrivaled anywhere at this side of New York Public Library. A lot of people are saying that public libraries are destined to save the world, and Mark agrees with them. So please welcome Mark Pond. I'm super excited to have you here today. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yes. Um, so we met at the very beginning of the pandemic, <laughs> and we were we met in public, and it was still the weird, like, do we elbow bump? Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. What are we supposed to do? Was that and Atticus? Then, um, yes, it was Atticus. Yeah. Yep. And uh, no, it was great. And I'm a data nerd and you're like a super data nerd. And so it was really nice to just see all the different resources and things that you've put together for us here. So um, tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Yeah, well, um, Eastern Washington boy. I grew up in Kettle Falls up here north of town and then boom, kind of bounced around for a while um, during undergrad years, but then ended up in Seattle it took me, you know, I was on, I think, the seven or eight year plan for getting through my undergrad and ended up with a degree in anthropology. And I thought, great, now what? And luckily, <laughs> there was a master's in library science program there at University of Washington. And I'd already been working for UW libraries and off and on. So um, I enjoyed the work and the people were fun to hang out with. So I thought, well, 
let's give it give it a shot. And you know, so I graduated in 2000, then worked for Seattle Public up until 2006, and then moved back here to Spokane um, in spring of 2006. So we're almost um, let's see here, April will be exactly 15 years doing this business librarian gig. And um, yeah, never my childhood dream to be a business librarian or any type of librarian, but um, you know, just kind of stumbling from one point to the next and now here we are. Here we are. I feel like that's kind of how life is for the for most of us, really. It's like, this isn't really what I planned, but you know what? I like it, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tell us a fun fact about you, something about you as a person. Well, um, I think I probably occupy a pretty narrow slice of a Venn diagram of librarians that have also been loggers. You know, I grew up in a farming and, <laughs> and ranching family. And um, so that was my high school um, employment during summers was logging. And then I worked for a full year and had a couple broken bones and close calls and thought, I really like being outside all day. That's definitely an upside. But sometimes getting up at two in the morning and um, literally risk, risking life and limb for a paycheck, um, yeah, didn't seem to have quite the um, longevity the, of a career that I was shooting for. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's a good fun fact. I like that. I uh, I grew up in a small town in Oregon, and logging is one of the major industries next to farming as well. So uh, I definitely knew quite a few loggers. You know, kids that um, would you know do that during the summertime during high school and. Yeah, it's incredibly dangerous. Like this, the stuff that they do and the the injuries that they get. I'm like, man, you could possibly just lose your leg one day because you fell or something. You know, yeah, it's are. wild. They pay well, but like you said, it's dangerous, and you have to get up at insane hours of the day and work long hours. So exactly, good for. I think you made the right choice, Mark. Yeah, <laughs> it's working out. And Spokane appreciates it. I can tell you that. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. So tell us a little bit more about kind of how you how you ended up doing what you do. Like, so not only are you a business librarian, you really have put together this incredible, like plethora of resources for people here. So how did that kind of happen? Like what's the superpower that you have that allowed you to kind of pull those pieces together? Yeah. So when I started here in 2006, um, basically kind of the structure and approach of public libraries was pretty much the same in 2006 as it had been in 1886 and 1776 and 1666 where we would gather generally physical items and put them on a shelf and then wait for people to come find them and <laughs> when they would come through our doors then we'd be more than happy to help them but um, between I would say about 2006 and probably oh about 2010-2011 um, I just sat at the downtown branch at the reference desk, you know, taking whatever questions would happen to come my way from children's, you know, you know, parents looking for Dr. Seuss books for their kids or, you know, where's the bathroom and tech support, kind of just that full gamut of questions that you get at a reference desk in a public library, but zero, like, I'm not kidding, zero business questions and I'm supposed to be the business research librarian. So I um, kind of had an existential crisis um, in terms of I can't justify my role here. Uh, 2009 rolls in, Great Recession. So I'm thinking, all right, 
things are looking really bleak here for me. I, I really need to figure out some different approach. So um, kind of through some weird happenstance where um, my schedule opened up a little bit more, where I wasn't on, uh, kind of needed on the reference desk four or five hours a day. And that opened up my, my kind of workday schedule to just pack up the tools that we did have at the time and then just go start knocking on doors around town saying, hey, this is what the library has for business research assistance. Is it of any value to you? And um, had a couple just, you know, right out, right out the gates that um, ran into a guy who I, I showed him how to pull together a list of trucking companies up and down the West Coast. And he had this little widget that he needed to sell to trucking companies like, ah, I just paid $1,800 for that exact same list like three days ago. Where were you? So a um, couple instances and um, scenarios like that early on where I thought, okay, it's not that we're, that we don't have good tools and good resources. It's just that our marketing is stuck 200 years in the past and public perception of what libraries are and what we can offer. That's also stuck 200 years in the past where people think of public libraries and they, they'll think, eh, books. And that's kind of where the thought process stops. So, um, so that was roughly 2009, 2010, where I decided to kind of take my show on the road. And that was the real breaking point. That was where things kind of started to gel. And then from there, um, I just put my head down and I try to answer as many questions as I can until I start bumping into kind of a routine set of questions that I don't have an answer to. And that's when I start looking around to figure out, okay, what's the resource that could help with that particular block of questions? So um, that's kind of, that's been the strategy and it's working out really well. Yeah, that's really cool. That's just, I mean, you basically <laughs> were in a situation where you're like, well, I'm, I might not have a job if I don't make myself more valuable in some way. So you kind of went out and did that. And that's, that's one of the coolest things I've ever heard because, uh, I mean, we benefit from it. Like you going, hmm, this should be different and let's do things differently from the way they've been done for hundreds of years. <laughs> and now we have all these really cool resources um, that you've helped pull together. So um, so I know you have regular meetings with local business owners and entrepreneurs how do you kind of provide support? Like I know when we met, you kind of walked me through like, here's all the different things that you have access to and all the data that you can pull. Um, how else, is that how you pretty much do it for everybody or? Yeah, yep, that's, that's the general approach is, um, you know, pre-COVID times, we would meet in person and, and we could just kind of run through the, the set of tools and resources. And then, um, yeah, and then, so generally, I'll meet with a business owner um, or you know someone from the business community. Meet with them for a one-hour session and just kind of give them the quick 90,000-foot overview, the Mach 7 flyby of kind of what the tools are and how they how they use how to use them, kind of how they fit together. But then um, you know it's an all-you-can-eat buffet. So my world record holder is a guy that I've met with I think 14 times now, where he just keeps coming back with other questions like hey I found this little nugget over here how does it relate to this this other piece so um, so that's that's kind of been the the general approach is that ideally um, I'd like to show say random business owner uh, a particular resource that they can use 
spend a few minutes teaching them how to use it and then they'll just run with it and kind of um, tackle that on their own and get access to it when they need it and not have to run it back through through me which can kind of be a, a bit of a pinch point in terms of my schedule now so um, ideally teaching folks how to fish um, is, mm -hmm. is the general approach and also uh, along those lines um, I can't really brag about their quality but um, part of my COVID project being stuck here at home is that I've been putting together YouTube tutorials um, for all of our different resources and putting those up on the spokanebusiness.org page so kind of trying to tackle 80% of the most common questions for for each resource and putting together a quick tutorial for that so that's worked out pretty well yeah that's good because it's I mean it's essentially the concept of just evergreen uh, making content that you keep getting it's the same answer no matter what so here's where you can go to find that answer and in the line of teaching people to fish like you said here's here's your library of of additional resources so that's really cool it probably helps save you a little bit of time in that aspect too because people are kind of getting so used to that like the youtube or self self-research self-teaching kind of stuff that they're like oh sweet there's youtube video okay I, that's easy i can figure this out so that's really cool um i like that it's the it's your pivot <laughs> as they say the word of 2020 how do you define market research and how critical do you think it is for a business owner to do yeah okay in terms of the critical piece i think it's really essential um and i think that in terms of kind of the definition of market research it's a pretty broad bucket that um that ranges from knowing your customer to knowing your market knowing your market size you know how big of a pie is it out there that you're trying to tackle so if you're um you know, if you're opening up a craft brewery and, you know, it seems like this craze has died off, but I would say probably around 2012, 2013 or so, it seemed like every other person that I worked with, they wanted to open up a brewery. So that was cool. Anything I could do to help Spokane drink more beer, that's, that's <laughs> a good professional aspiration for me. But, um, yeah, I would have folks come in and say, you know, all my friends tell me and, you know, they're accomplished beer drinkers and they really have a good palate for this but they say that this huckleberry stout that i make is just awesome and i'm going to open up a brewery and kind of build it around that and we could get, get into market research that would show that okay in the craft brewing world uh, fruit beers make up something like less than three percent of that total market and that's essential to know that before you start signing leases and um think that you're just going to take over the craft brewing world with your huckleberry stout that you might um you might be able to kind of capture a certain sliver of it but um it's going to be an uphill climb for sure if that's your if that's your main horse that you're trying to ride so um i think that's a good example of that is information and knowledge that is just absolutely crucial to a business especially for a startup who hasn't really had a chance to test the waters yet that um, it allows businesses to kind of hedge their bets a little bit and um, kind of my overall uh, description of what I do is especially with startups you know they're facing a scope of risk that looks something like so if I can just throw mountains of data at them and shrink that scope of risk down to something like that then that's a win for the business uh, it's a win for the Spokane economy 
win for the library. So um, not sure if that fully answers your question or not, but those are some yeah. some thoughts there. Yeah, no, I think that's good because it's, I think a lot of people do think like that sometimes, and especially depending on your background and experience in running a business, then you may not know some of those those things that are important um, for that. Like everyone wants to open a brewery. Okay. But you can also be more strategic with what you're doing, like you said. So maybe they didn't necessarily already want to do the Huckleberry um, Stout. They're like, I want to open a brewery. They could go, okay, where is there room for this to grow? Because there is already a fairly saturated market for that, especially here. Um, So how can I be more strategic about my approach? Okay, there's not a lot of fruit beers. Okay, cool. Then maybe I can focus on having like one or two like flagship beers that I, that I launch and that's kind of where you get in and, and grow a little bit faster. So yeah, no, that makes sense to me. Um, so let's talk a little bit about demographics. What does a small business owner need to know about demographics and well, kind of what it means, but what do they need to look for? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just focus on the business to consumer world. Cause that's probably where the, where the bulk of that question lies. So the library, uh, we subscribe to a database called Demographics Now. And as the name implies, it's pretty heavily focused on demographics. And there are kind of various levels of kind of that definition of demographics. There's just kind of the the broad overview of age, income levels, education levels, um, race, ethnicity, those sorts of things. And Demographics Now, it, it covers the entire U.S., but it allows you to drill down locally to your local market and you can define that however you want. You can pull up a Google map, draw on your own funky boundaries, and then within that region that you select, um, I think at latest count, it's like 65 or 70 some different reports that you can start to run on that specific geographic region. And it runs the gamut from, you know, kind of those basic demographic data points to consumer spending, you know, how what's the average household in Spokane spending on their beer and ale, you know, we can, we can pull that together with that type of tool. But then also within demographics now, one, one piece that, uh, coming back to the data nerds out there, uh, <laughs> the thing that really gets me excited. Uh, so demographics now, they, they pull census data is kind of their backbone for their tool. Um, but then they go out and they buy third party data, uh, to add on. So it's, updated yearly so it's really fresh and current but one of the data sources that they purchase is from Experian credit reporting agency and Experian they have this um, kind of household segmentation scheme and if you were to go to segmentationportal.com you could log in there and once you get a username and password be able to log in and um, see that Experian is just sitting on trillions and trillions of consumer transactions so anytime any one of us swipe a credit card, Experian gets a ping, and you know they would know that oh, Mark just went to Noli and he bought beer last week, and the week before that he bought a pair of snowshoes at REI. If I swipe my credit card, they know that. They know my household address. They know I'm married. They know my income level. Yeah. So I had to tell them all of that when I got my credit card. So they take all of that data and they anonymize it to a certain degree, but then they dump us all. Um, every household in the U.S. into one of these 71 or 72 different household segments. And it gets down to just a silly level of detail about um, how likely my household type is to 
do yoga or how likely we are to click on social media appeals or how likely are we to listen to podcasts. So in terms of a business really being able to kind of fine grain and really zero in on their target market, it makes a pretty wicked one-two punch. So, um, so yeah, in terms of what small business owners need to know, they, they need to know who they're trying to reach. And the flip side of that is if, if you've been in business for a while and you've got shipping logs or um, if you've been able to somehow capture the household address of your customer base, Demographics now allows you to kind of reverse engineer that search and say, here's a list of addresses. Who does Experian tell me that these types of households are? And then once you know that, then you know who's already responding well to your business offerings, and then it's shooting fish in a barrel to go out and find other households that look a lot like your existing customer base. So um, in terms of what a business owner needs to know, the more the better. Yeah. That's great. Well, because it's all, I mean, I think data lends itself to being super strategic. I know um, in the past, I've definitely gotten caught up in the data piece of it. And I get like super into, I'm like, well, if we do exactly this, then this will happen. And I'm like, okay, so I don't need to go that that far down. But I think one of the cool things too, that you were showing me with the demographics now is the ability to see um, by demographic, what, what type of marketing material people respond to. So if it's direct mail, email, text, whatever different type based on, you know, generation or income level, location, like those kinds of things, which I think is helpful too, especially most small businesses don't have a ton of advertising money to spend. And so being able to kind of drill down what that looks like and where to invest your your advertising efforts, like, okay, so let's spend a little money on the South Hill with direct mail because that's an older generation mostly and they like mail still. Um, but if we're trying to target the millennial generation for my craft brewery, then let's do text or social media campaigns, that kind of thing. So I think that's super helpful um, for sure. It's just so tough to, you know, you don't have unlimited resources usually when you're starting out. So um, let's see, what's the next question? Um, so you work with a lot of small businesses and entrepreneurs. What are some of the more common things that people ask you for help with? Like maybe after that initial getting to know you session, the 90,000 foot view. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say that probably the, so it's kind of a little complicated right now during COVID times where I'm stuck in my house and not able to kind of be out in the community, but say this time last year, about half of any given day would be spent working with startups. And, um, you know, by and large, they're just trying to get a reasonable sense of what their industry looks like, what their market looks like. So um, that, that piece was um, probably the most prevalent that I would be working with in terms of kind of determining that market size and, and who you're trying to market to. Um, the other half, working with already existing businesses, you know, could be businesses that have been up and running for decades here in town, but um, when they catch wind that, oh, the library has access to this particular tool, wow, we've been either paying out the nose for it or uh, doing without, so let's, let's go uh, 
knock on the library's door. And for that, for those already existing businesses, it's more um, kind of getting fine-grained and, and more targeted with their marketing. So if I had to just give you a one-word uh, answer to the question, it would be market research, um, trying to mm. figure out who your market is. That's the, I think that that's probably the simplest, most direct answer. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I think there are resources and people can find information, but you're sort of in that kind of like advisory role where you're guiding somebody through the process because it can be overwhelming just like anything else. Like somebody trying to learn use, or trying to learn to use social media is overwhelming because all the information is out there. It exists. You can find it, but then trying to unravel it and make sense of it and figure out what's going to work for you is the hard part. So that's where... I think you specifically are a phenomenal resource in that aspect too, because you can you can help walk somebody through what they're actually looking for, and then again teach them how to fish, so they can they're better informed and better armed to do it themselves the next time, or at least know where to start. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, back to that example of okay, there's a particular household type that um, maybe responds really well to YouTube advertising, but if it's a small business owner just getting started up, and they're like. I've never run a YouTube channel. I, I don't have the time or the interest or the focus to really learn it. But, you know, we've got our subscription to LinkedIn Learning and their YouTube courses galore. And I think there's something like a four hour long uh, running a YouTube uh, channel instructional video you know, class in LinkedIn Learning. And to be able to just hand that over to the business owner and say, look, yeah. I get it. You don't have 40 hours to kind of muddle your way through this and figure it out on your own, but take four hours and walk through this course. And when you come out of it, you'll be way, probably way further ahead than if you'd just spent 40 hours on your own. So um, being able to kind of roll out resources like that to kind of help plant some guideposts along the way. Mm -hmm. I like that. Uh, what do you think are some of the m most important things for business owners to measure? Like maybe they don't necessarily have a full database, but what, what should they start keeping an eye out for and start collecting for themselves so that they can measure their success and checkpoints yeah. along the way? Wow. That's, that's a good question. It will probably vary from one business to the next for sure. Um, uh, in terms of, yeah, I would say probably just the more da data that you can gather and whether you know what you're going to do with it at the very moment or not, um, that's always a, probably a, a good move. So kind of coming back to that example of if you're able to capture household address information for your customer base, do that. Um, you know, don't just let that data slip away. Um, I would say, you know, the kind of more zoomed out approach, especially during COVID times, I would say probably just really keeping track on of your cash flow and trying to really get that pinned down of when money's going to be coming in the door. That, uh, that it, for some businesses, it's a little more straightforward than others, but, um, you know, for, for businesses that um, just kind of um, don't provide themselves a cushion and or just figure that it'll it'll just kind of work itself out. That's a kind of that's a dangerous spot to be. 
So um, that's kind of maybe a more granular little nugget there than what you're looking for. But I would say definitely here in these COVID times, that would be something to be keeping an eye on. Um, one other thing just crossed your, my mind. Oh, um, employee turnover, uh, you know, for our mom and pops where it's just a uh, single person operation, probably not much of a concern, but um, you know, for, you know, if you've got four or five employees and you're constantly churning through them and constantly needing to retrain, and um, I think that that can sometimes be some indication there that things might not be operating as efficiently as they could be. Yep. That's actually what I help people with sometimes too. That's that's one of the things It's kind of identifying what the workflow is, like who's supposed to have which roles and which responsibilities, and then hopefully helping to find key people for those positions. But that's such a huge thing because um, it doesn't seem like a lot when, like you said, you only have four or five employees, but if you're constantly burning through them, um, then something is broken and you need to know why why that keeps happening. Is it the way you communicate as a leader and an owner? Um, are there are the processes just all over the place? Are they getting different direction from different people and and they don't know what they're what they're supposed to actually be working on? There's so many so many different things that can happen, especially if a business owner has never actually been a traditional leader and maybe they started a business and then they scaled it a little bit and they started needing to hire help. If they've never done that and they don't know how to do that piece of the business, it can be pretty devastating because it's so costly to just keep turning people, <laughs> turning people over. Um, and you just live in a perpetual state of stress if you're not sure if your employees are going to show up for work or not. So that's good. It's a good call out. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And if you kind of compare it to say like a much larger business and if a quarter of their workforce just re- didn't show up on any given day and said, we're done, that's devastating. And so mm-hmm. if you've got four employees and one of them quits and then next week, month, another one quits. And I think on the, the getting more data while you can, I think that's something that I, I try to get people to do as well. And I do it for myself. Like I don't necessarily have the bandwidth right now to analyze all of my data, but I know that at some point I will. So just trying to keep track of where the money's coming from, who's, how did I get that client? Where was the you know, where was the referral or the lead come or where did it come from? So I can keep track of like where I need to focus my time and energy down the road. Cause right now I'm doing a lot of that stuff myself, but the, the plan is for me to not have to do that forever. So I'll be able to come back out and not have to spend so much time in the business um, and, and look at some of those things. So having the data, that's like one of the things that I'm most nervous about. Honestly, it sounds silly, but well, you probably understand is like making sure I know where all the things, like where is all the stuff coming from? Even if it's just going into a spreadsheet somewhere that I don't have time to look at now, it's there and I can analyze it at some point down the road to be more strategic about my focus. So yeah, keep track. Keep track of your time. That's the other thing I would say. How much time you spend on doing things. Like most most business owners don't do that, um, especially if they're not product-based. If they're more service-based, they don't keep track of all the time they spend on things, but that's huge because it's a cost. So it's like if you can pay somebody 15 bucks an hour to do what you're doing at whatever value you ha- you know, if you're valuing yourself at 60 or 100 bucks an hour, whatever it is, then that's the plan. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, I like that. Details. It's all about the details. And you can have somebody that knows how to do Excel, <laughs> figure out what your data means for you if you want. You don't have to figure it out. <laughs> They're wizards. Um, 
So uh, you have put together so many of these resources for Spokane, but what what is accessible to people outside of our area? Is this something, are there business librarians at other libraries? Like, do people have some of these resources elsewhere? Yeah, it is pretty balkanized in terms of kind of if you live on one side of Havana versus the other side, then you kind of get access to a certain set of tools and resources. And if you live in OMAC, then there's a different set. But step number one in terms of answering that question, a little fun fact, there are more public library branches, you know, actual physical little libraries scattered around the nation than there are McDonald's. So um, there's pretty much a little library in every little burg and, and town across the nation. Um, and my, my hope, my, my wish is that each one of those becomes kind of a little entrepreneurial hub for their community that, um, you know, Spokane, we fly in the, just kind of this Goldilocks range where we're big enough of a community to have some budget muscle to flex and, um, you know, we can pull some resources together. But we're also small enough that um, we can kind of fly under the radar of some of these data providers that, um, like a good example is, so we're the only public library in the nation that has a subscription to PitchBook. And, you know, uh, when I called up PitchBook and said, hey, I have this kind of hole in my collection of resources where I'm getting these questions that I can't find the answer to, but you guys have the answer. Can I purchase a subscription? And they initially said, no, we don't sell to public libraries. We make a lot of money selling that data. So um, we had some back and forth, but I asked them, look, you know, look at your sales data for the Spokane market. Again, keeping track of your data, but um, am I really horning in on anything? Am I undercutting any sales? And they're like, yeah, no, <laughs> you wouldn't be. <laughs> and so then my other appeal was, look, I work a lot with Gonzaga and WSU and Eastern and uh, Whitworth and all the colleges around the area as well as our startups. Um, so I'm basically offering to pay you, PitchBook, to be your outside sales guy here in Spokane. So if somebody at Gonzaga who's from Denver gets access to PitchBook and is able to kind of kick the tires and then once they go back home, once their schooling is done, and then they would know that, oh, hey, boss, here's where we need to go to find the answer to this particular question. So um, now I'm feeling like I'm off on a tangent. Oh, right, other than, yes. So <laughs> short answer, yes, there are other libraries out there. Um, it's, your kind of, your mileage is going to, to vary. Um, for sure from, from one library system to the next, but the bones are there, I think, and kind of the infrastructure is there at every public library where we have kind of this sharing uh, bit of DNA just kind of baked into our structure. But that's what we do, that um, we go out and we try to find stuff that's valuable um, that not everyone in the community can get access to, and then we try to just share it around town in an equitable fashion. So mm -hmm. every library can do that to some degree. Very nice. Yeah, because, I mean, we have a lot of cool stuff, so I didn't want people that aren't here to feel like they don't have access to some of these things. So they feel like there are a lot of resources. And some of the things that I found, too, is um, the local, like, small business development center offices are incredible resources for small businesses and stuff, too. So 
you just got to start somewhere and then you'll find what you need. <laughs> yeah. Um, what advice would you give to people who want to start a business from your perspective? Yeah. Um, go slowly, you know, um, if you have that luxury, then, you know, just kind of take it in little bite-sized pieces. You know, occasionally I would get someone coming to the central library who would say, all right, I have a meeting with a commercial lender tomorrow. I've got to put together a business plan today. And I'm like, well, okay, all right, well, <laughs> here's a pile of data. Um, but that seems like a, a kind of putting yourself behind the eight ball. So, um, so definitely go, go slowly and kind of give yourself that luxury of um, letting the back of the brain kind of kick into gear a week or two weeks or four months down the road um, to make some connections that maybe you wouldn't make if you were just kind of focused uh, using the, the front part of your brain and really just trying to try to drive something through. So that uh, coupled with knock on as many doors um, around town as you possibly can, um, just kind of gathering bits of um, advice and, and expertise. And you know, here in Spokane, one thing that's really worth shouting out, so Startup Spokane, I don't know if you ever bumped into them. Um, that was a program that was up and running for a number of years and then about this time last year, um, it kind of, um, the program manager, she needed to spend some time with family, but then the program's kind of just been dead in the water since then. And we're looking to get that started back up. And the plan, at least currently, is that I'll kind of be running the day-to-day -day operations of that through the library. So for folks who have startup questions, meet with them. But then part of my my role there, which I still, which I currently do anyway, but um, is really trying to make sure that those referral connections to SNAP and the SBDC and SCORE and the SBA, um, making sure that those startups know that those resources are available around town is um, just having them available is step number one. But if the business owner doesn't know that they exist, then they might as well not exist in, in practicality. So, um, so I'm pretty excited about that um, to be able to kind of support those, those startups. But yeah, um, I think that that's probably the, the best um, bit of advice that I can think of right off the top is go slowly and talk to a whole lot of people. Yeah, I like that. Um, that's one of my favorite things to do is just go meet people and talk to people. And that's how we know each other. Somebody told me about you and I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. I'm going to go meet with Mark. And I'm like, oh man, there's so much data. This is insanity. So um, yeah, that's how I've made tons of connections as a business owner um, in the last 18 months. So I like that. Um, so tell us a little bit, like, how can we support you? What are you working on? Can we help spread the word for you about anything, any, any projects that you have in the hopper? Yeah. So, um, so spokanebusiness.org, that's the main platform where we've pulled together all of our business research tools and it's, um, kind of a combined project with the Spokane County Library District. So we're kind of trying to pull out all of our business research tools and put them there on, on that one page. We're going through a page redesign right now. So um, 
there are some things that need to be updated that I'm not sure if we're actually going to update them or not before we do the redesign. So there, yeah, that's a side tangent there. But um, <laughs> on that page, um, sometime here just within the next day, I'm hoping within hours, there's going to be a new resource up there. Um, I'm, this gets kind of wonky, but the RMA, um, Financial Ratio Database, um, <laughs> Risk Management Association, it's a group of commercial lenders and CPAs. They take their clients' data, anonymize it, turn it over to RMA. Then RMA is able to run these averages for, you know, um, as a percentage of assets. How much does a coffee shop have uh, tied up in inventory? Or, you know, what's your ratio of owner's compensation to sales? And, you know, so you can really kind of pull the curtain back on the financial side of things with that particular resource. So that's coming online. And Snap, I should also give them a shout out. They're paying for half of our subscription for us, um, which leads me to my next point, is that um, PitchBook and now this RMA database and um, our Bloomberg terminal, uh, I feel like I'm forgetting one. Those are the main ones. Those are community funded that, um, as, and PitchBook is a great example. So we pay almost $19,000 per year for our subscription, but that none of that's coming out of the library's budget. I've been able to have enough conversations with organizations and folks around town saying, hey, this is a $20,000, $25,000 tool that it would cost you to get access to it. It doesn't necessarily pencil for, um, any one organization around town to carry that full burden, but if yeah, I've got five or six organizations that are all chipping in four or five thousand dollars each, then then they can get access to the tool through the library. Then they're all over that. They're like, yeah, that's a win, absolutely. That four thousand dollars, that pencils, and then we get access to the data. Let's do that. So um, that's kind of my eye for um, any new resource that we're looking to add. And basically, the I think the only thing that I still have on my wish list is there's a, there's a resource out there that basically does for business formation types of questions what TurboTax does for your taxes, where um, you say, all right, I want to be an LLC in Washington State, but then am I going to be taxed as an LLC, or am I going to be taxed as an S-Corp or a C-Corp, or, you know, um, and it runs you through this set of questions of kind of where you are now versus where you want to be in a few years, and then it will give you this report out saying, okay, our recommendation is you go this this route, and I know that that's, um, that um, is a stumbling block, especially for small startups, you know, your dog walkers and your mom-and-pop coffee shops that... Um, sometimes they're just going with the easiest approach of I'll just be a sole proprietor and you know if I get sued I get sued and I'll lose my house but I think that there are smarter ways to come at that so um, yeah. if you know of someone who might want to chip in on a product like that let me know I'd be happy yeah. to have that conversation we'll put some feelers out that'll be awesome um, so how do people get in touch with you if they want to send you a message or ask you a question yeah, so uh, LinkedIn, that's probably the the best kind of social media platform to find me. Uh, I also have a Facebook profile. Um, I really don't do much with that, but you can find me there and kind of track me down. And um, the 
other piece on the SpokaneBusiness.org page. In the upper right-hand corner of that page, there's a uh, button there that says book a one-on-one -on -one session with a business librarian and if folks were to click on the Spokane business or I'm sorry on the Spokane public library link there that takes them to my calendar and that's often kind of the quickest and most direct route is to just go there set up a time on my calendar and then then we can chat perfect um, well, I will definitely send this over to you on LinkedIn because I, I think I normally do Facebook and Instagram, but I've been meaning to do more on LinkedIn. So when I, when I publish the episode and everything, I'll tag you on, on that platform specifically. So um, perfect. Well, thank you very much for doing this with me. I greatly appreciate it. I greatly appreciate your time and all of the work that you've done for us here in the Spokane area. Mm. And um, yeah. No, thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm always happy to get on whatever soapbox is out there and <laughs> jump up and down and say, library, you need to be thinking about the library. <laughs> Building Better Businesses with Catalyst Consulting is brought to you in partnership with Delicious Hamburgers. Why Delicious? Since 1998, Delicious has been providing Spokane's best burgers. Why? Because at Delicious, the burgers are never frozen. Why? Because it tastes better. Delicious prides itself on fresh beef, fresh veggies, and made-to-order fries. And with a variety of sauces all made in-house each day, you can trust that everything is meticulously handmade the same way it has been since 1998. So what are you waiting for? Delicious is located at 1625 North Division Street. De-lovable, delightable, delectable, delicious. Life is a series of challenges, paths to walk, rivers to cross, mountains to climb. It takes strength, perseverance, and the endurance to keep going. Spokane Endurance Academy is a new face in the Inland Northwest training scene, ready and excited to help you make a difference in your life. Offering everything from specialized workout plans to field testing, defined intensity training, and progress analysis. At Spokane Endurance Academy, your goals are their goals. Check them out on Facebook at Spokane Endurance Academy, LLC, on their website, SpokaneEnduranceAcademy.com, or call now at 208 208- 889-9278. This episode is sponsored by Brick West Brewing. Brick West is a touchstone that reminds us where we came from and the foundation that gives rise to where we're going. With an enthusiasm for craft beer only matched by their passion for building community, here at Brick West, the goal of each day is to bring people together, inspire adventure, and build lifelong friendships through quality craft brews. Located at the west end of downtown Spokane, Brick West is serving up a variety of different beers in their spacious beer hall atmosphere. With plenty of to-go options and a large outdoor space, come down and check out Brick West Brewing today. This podcast was produced and edited by Speak Spokane.